All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. You got your boy Zage, of course, joined by one of my oldest, bestest friends, a young, passionate journalist in today's crazy 2020 world of, of equality and COVID. My lovely friend, Cole Smithson, is joining us today. Calling me a journalist is a little uh, little unfair to all the other journalists out there, but I do have published articles on the internet. That so. counts. Definitely counts. That counts. Yeah. Bloggers I, are journalists. You're a journalist. Yeah, right? we all are content creators. We are all That's, content creators. Uh, they teach you that in Journalism 101. Plus, you write content that I think people would appreciate more than half of what's on the internet. So I wouldn't even, <laughs> I wouldn't even compare yourself to those people. <laughs> I appreciate you for saying that. Yes, you're I, welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for coming to my backyard. It's I nice. absolutely love the poolside. Shout out Karen. Shout out Ron. This is a nice area for anybody who doesn't know. Cole has upgraded from the city living life to this beautiful suburban pool house. and we, we couldn't be happier about it. Yeah, no. Um, shout out Karen uh, for balling. You Literally, know, yeah. Liter- balling like she's MJ. Um, <laughs> and shout out Ron for, you know. For supporting Karen. Yeah, and, and <laughs> ma- making his own money too. But r- <laughs> most running around, taking care, of the, taking care of the house. Yeah, it's really nice out here. Ron's been making cool projects, that's no doubt. Yeah, he's uh, always, uh, he's gotten into woodworking recently as any man should right yeah exactly <laughs> he's been so basically what's been happening is my mom has been picking stuff on the internet that she wants to be made out of wood and then ron makes it i think that's a quality uh trait in a husband i'll be honest yeah no it's honestly it's big dick energy yeah, ron, it kind of is every time someone comes over you can uh attest to this <laughs> ron's always like hey do you want to see what i built <laughs> <laughs> and it's always pretty cool that you made a sliding door i think that's kind of badass I'll have to compliment Sean in case he hears this. I think Sean is, in a similar way, able to do that for my mother. We appreciate that. Shout out dads and dad figures out out there. Shout out all of them. If you stuck around, we love you. Yeah. Or if you came around later, we love you. Yeah, if you just supported any child ever, you know. We get down. Yeah, we stand. We we stand parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Be a parent, you know. But while we're on the subject, I actually think something pretty prevalent to, like, at least your story, and while we're even talking about Karen and Ron, is that you guys definitely had some complex relationships at the start, and it took a little while to get to, like, a level of comfortability. You want to speak on that at all? Uh, yeah, I I think most people have a little uh, complex relationship with their parents. Um, it, it's tough sometimes relating to somebody that, in my case, like, my parents were almost 30 when they had me. My mom uh, is 30 years older than me, so it's, like, it's hard to relate to somebody that, that that's that much older than you. It's just like another human, and they come from like a completely not as interesting because it's not a completely different background, which I was gonna say because they're basically forming your background off of their background, so it's kind of like meta. But yeah, no, you become like a mini version of them, and as an adult, I see a lot of my parents in me. What do you definitely. see? Um, well, if you've ever met my dad, Ron, shout out. Uh, he is kind of a life of the party kind of guy, social butterfly, moving around, always talking to people, making people laugh. Um, that's his favorite thing to do, and I definitely see that myself, like, trying to be the center of attention, entertainer. I can see that. Thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get a laugh, you know? It makes everyone feel good. Uh, you, you know you ever compete good... with your dad for the attention of the room? Oh, yeah, you can tell, <laughs> like, when we're going story for story. Um, Brett was actually in the middle of that the other day, me and Ron just fighting for, uh, uh, speaking time over each other. <laughs> it was, it was fun, but, um, but, yeah, back to what you were saying, uh, the it it was definitely a little bit tense when I was younger, um, 
Because I think a lot of people, including my parents, I'm going to throw on this list, uh, they tried really hard, but it's, they did not know what they signed up for when they, like, you had the oldest. children. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, I was, they paid to have me. I was, like, made in a lab. It was in vitro fertilization. Shout out IBF. Or they IVF. didn't have as many options and upgrades then as they do now. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, so I, that's why I'm smarter than most people. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, uh. <laughs> so they they definitely wanted to have children, but like I think that they didn't understand like the emotional weight, hundred percent um, that that carries. And in my family, with like mental health being a prevalent thing on both sides of uh, my family, I think it was hard for it's hard for someone that is stuck in there dealing with their own stuff to like then deal with their kids' stuff. And, this is a huge point that I was going to actually throw in. Sorry to cut you off. Like it shouldn't go unsaid that you as a young person growing up have your own problems and then they as an adult have unexpected problems coming their way that like are completely different from yours, you know? And so like everybody's dealing with shit, but, but definitely touch on the mental health stuff. I'm sorry to cut you off about that. No, you're good. Um, I'm pretty open to talking about this stuff. I know some people aren't and uh, shout out to everyone going through a silent struggle out there. Uh, uh, you, you always have someone to reach out to. Uh, at Cole Smithson on everything, yeah. Um, I, I I love talking about this kind of stuff, but I I've dealt with uh, depression, anxiety, um, for most of my life. Uh, the depression the depression kind of fuels the anxiety. It's more, um, but there was just I mean periods of weeks, months where it was just hard to you know get motivated, get out of bed, and and for a lot of people I think it's just like oh I hate going to school, I hate doing this. Like, but it, at a certain point it's not normal and it's like dysfunctional mm. for my life. So there's definitely some of that going on. And I think that's hard for a parent to see, you know, because, like, they're they're not trained to, like, watch for this, especially people in an older generation. Definitely. And I think that's changing. Um, yeah, I think that's changing now as mental health is uh, starting to be more talked about openly and it's less stigmatized. Um, my sister has dealt with her own uh struggles and since then my parents have really come around and and are open to therapy to family therapy to everyone getting individual help um and trying to like come combat this at least uh in a way that we didn't when we were younger and i think that's what has brought everyone together uh i think therapy is a huge like help in anybody's world i was actually just talking to somebody else about this today like i see no reason that you shouldn't go see a therapist like it's just an hour of time where you literally get to just talk about yourself and along the way, you might learn a couple of things about yourself. If not, this person will encourage you to try and learn more things about yourself. I see no reason. Like, it's kind of lit. Like, what? I like, who's, everybody has an ego, so go express your ego and then see if it needs to be controlled or not, you know? Yeah, ex exactly. I think, I, I don't know why it's hard for uh, people to see this, but I think most healthy adults should go to therapy at least every once in a while. Yeah, check Just, in. Yeah, exactly. Check, like like a physical. You don't uh, not go to the doctor and be, and uh, you know, just be like, ah, I uh, hope I'm healthy, you know? Like, <laughs> I completely I hope, agree. Yeah, I hope I'm not crazy. I, I hope I'm not, you know, depressed. And things can happen over time. That's another thing people always, exactly. like, like, don't consider. It's like you can develop some serious issues over time, over generations or decades of time, you know? Do you or your sister ever use pharmaceuticals to try and help with the mental problems, or um, how do you feel about them? Uh, my sister is is has been uh, taking meds. Because um, I personally like don't know anybody that's taking. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. No one super close to my life is mm -hmm. taking like brain chemistry medicine, right? Yeah. So I am curious about how um, other people feel about it. Well, I so what's funny about 
this family is it. Uh, my mom's on anxiety meds, mm. you know, sleep meds. Uh, my other sister, Nato, um, has ADHD meds. And then uh, my sister is on uh, SSRIs, you know, uh, trying to know. stabilize her mental health. Uh, that's, that's like, uh, I don't know what specifically she's on. I'm not trying to uh, put her on blast or anything, but, like, no. she, it's some sort of combination to, you know, keep her serotonin levels balanced and, and to ha- help her uh, have a normal life. Um, so it's like a medicine. Uh, there's, like, a... Uh, pill safe in there and it's like a pharmacy there's so many pills like it pill just, house. Uh, everything like it, <laughs> dude it is an addict's just like wet dream <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you it's just like you, sometimes I'll catch myself looking at the pills and I'm like god damn like you could at least sell these wait not you what you, not, don't, you don't I don't any? take anything um I'm big so what are your beliefs on it uh, this is a tough one because for people that it, it helps keep doing you I, I do anything to help yourself, but for me personally, I think that it's kind of a crock of shit. Um, you said crutch? Crock of shit. Crock of shit. Yeah, it's just like, um, and because obviously it does help some people, but I know I've seen studies that say it's just as effective as a placebo, right? So um, some people I know are, aren't suicidal because they have no motivation. They'll start taking SSRIs, and the first thing that comes back is like motivation, but they're still suicidal because it, it that hasn't come around yet, and mm-hmm. then, like, they'll attempt suicide. So there's, like, a lot of risks to these medications. Um, uh, That's my fear about them, too. Yeah, people and have to switch medications a lot. Like A lot. Yeah. Like, it's very common for someone to try a brain chemistry pill, and it's, like, almost worse for them, and they have to take something else. Like, what an insane risk, in my opinion, you know? Like, that's got to be very hard. But I, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to go raw dog. Hannah tried to—this was supposed to be on the podcast with Hannah, but it got cut due to the— terrible audio problems but she said like she saw something online where somebody was like i can't believe some of y'all really be raw dogging life (laughs) (laughs) and like that's a hilarious i think about that a lot now like dude everybody's on something we kind of talked about this on the group podcast like everybody has their own uh what's the word vice their own vice you know and if yours is like brain chemistry pills like and it helps then i I support it i guess i don't know it's a weird thing everyone's on something man like Like, what's wrong with the world that we all have to have a vice 80 percent of americans or something like that something crazy like drink coffee every day Mm -hmm. or at least like once like that uh technically because if you just stop drinking it your receptors go back to normal and like uh it becomes non-addictive it's not addictive but like people have severe headaches for a couple days if they stopped right and we just like that's pretty accepted Right, Starbucks and and Dunkin' Donuts and all these places are essentially America like, runs on Dunkin'. Yeah, dude, it literally runs like like their bodies because they can't wake up because they got to go to their awful job and like they're tired and you know their family like stuff is is weighing them down and it's like all right, I, I, a cup of coffee is gonna get me through this. I mean, you and me are both drinking coffee right now. Hundred percent. I was like, damn, it's kind of late. Why give me a little bit of stimulation? Coffee, it is. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't want to bust out the cocaine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them about that. Jeez. Uh, no, I, I don't do that stuff anymore. R.I.P. Mac Miller, honestly. Mm, the yeah. fat, bro. Dude, I don't try. I don't. If Brett made a beautiful point, and I've never heard a better argument, he's like, how do you think you're getting better drugs than Mac Miller? And I was like, well, that's. It's crazy. It's like kind of true, though. Yeah, no, it was sophomore year. I mean, that was. Dude, everything, they put fat in everything now. Yeah. Nothing is safe. You can't trust anybody. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Everybody's out to kill everybody. Low key. <laughs> everybody keeps it low key, but everybody's trying to kill everybody. This is going to sound so, like, petty and, like, like, uh, like, uh, 
what's the word for it? Just like, just very white. But like, people are just like not in the drug dealing game for the for the game, you know, for the fun, you know, getting people uh, drugs for low prices. Like, they're just in it for the money and whatever, like, makes them more money quicker and like whatever they can cut it with and like get people addicted. Like, yeah. and then like that's how you just get dent. Uh, get dangerous reactions you know and i that's why i believe that we should legalize all drugs um i'd say it's a the way you phrase it is bold but there are really nice ways to do it i agree mm -hmm. like proper dosing centers where everything is kept clean mm -hmm. for everybody and they have like a safe space but i always wonder with that i mean what's to stop those places from filling up like what's to stop everybody from just going to use legal drugs i mean what's to stop anybody from using drugs right now Nothing. It's so easy to go get drugs. That's true. Like, if you know anyone that smokes weed, you're, like, two people away from finding someone with, like, Molly. <laughs> the rest of the drugs. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's, like, people like to do drugs. And, like, the, it's not everyone, but, like, it's people like people that live totally, totally functional lives uh, use drugs pretty consistently. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people that, like, are big-time ravers. So, you know, they go crazy for a weekend, take, like, a two grams of molly, and then, like, they go back to their stuffy office job. It depends on the occupation. I actually was going to counter you and say, like, a lot of office jobs, those people don't do drugs. They get, like, actually drug-tested. People in the medical field and shit, like, Luke Woods, he can't even smoke a one-hitter. He can't smoke anything. It, and, like, I don't know. I don't know what my point is there, but I find that to be pretty interesting. That, like, in some places... Oh, no, he said even in Colorado, where it's legal recreational weed, you, you're, as a doctor, you can't smoke weed. Mm -hmm. And the idea, and he, he actually made a pretty interesting point. He said, even, even if he's not a daily smoker, right? Even if he's smoking, like, maybe on the weekends socially, his body won't, and mind won't be at 100%. You know, like, mm -hmm. it could be, like, 99, but that's not 100. And, like, if you're a doctor and you need to be, like, saving lives, I could see how it's kind of important for you to always be on 100. But they can drink. So many doctors are alcoholics. Because, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, because they drink. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you're not as sharp the next day after drinking. Yeah, like, your body's not. dehydrated. You're so it's just like uh, I understand why you wouldn't want doctors using drugs, but uh, um, if their if their patients are healthy and they're using them when they're not at work, you know, yeah, like if it doesn't pose a problem. Yeah, exactly. Like people should people, be entitled like, to do what they want. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Do an internal review or whatever. But I, I honestly, I this is a hot take for sure. But I find drug tests to be like a mad in, invasion of privacy, like testing my urine to like see what I put into my body. I know that. I mean, I'm I feel like the context is important though. Of course, but like I, I think that most people aren't doctors or air traffic controllers or pilots. You know, this is true. Yeah. So it's. But like, I can't speak on what jobs required drug testing other than those like couple that you named and that cops those people probably should be drug tested you don't think um cop, cops cops it's just like it's a, they, those people should be uh they um, should be lots of tested they should be tested mentally for sure yeah for sure Out they're killing people in the street for no reason yeah they do do that yeah you see the stuff in detroit no what happened uh, apparently i just saw it on twitter so not a, the best source uh, but apparently, you can be a third-party source on my podcast. Yeah, some 19-year-old kid got got shot and killed by the cops. You know, they said he had a gun. Witnesses said that he didn't. You know, they're they're protesting. I don't. Is it the kid that was um, um, the kid that was like, "I love you," and he had like a pigment problem, so he's wearing a hoodie. Oh no, okay. I just no, heard about that. That was today. that was another thing, and it's just all these people just needlessly. Like, I've been hearing so many more stories over the past few months. It's honestly like disturbing. 
and, and and also just things that have been brought to my attention that I would have never even considered, like how inappropriate it is for a police officer to approach a car with his hand on his weapon. Like, what is that even about? Like, what are you trying to exactly? What are you trying to prove? You know, like that kind of stuff I would have never thought about, and I probably because I never would have experienced it. You know, but just to see stuff like that is is pretty eye opening. I am really excited about all the attention being brought to things, but I am still fear, fearful of like what the actual positive change will be. I'm seeing a lot of micro changes, which I love, but like the system, bro, is broken. I uh, interviewed a few people for some. I interviewed a few people for uh, a journalism project one semester about race and how in South Carolina. Well, yeah, in South in South Carolina, in Columbia, about, South Carolina. Yes, at the University of South Carolina, where I went to school. My mm -hmm. alma mater now, I guess. Fake USC. Go Gamecocks. Fake hey, USC. Hey, congratulations, bro. Yeah, congrats to you, too. I'm not done. Oh, I know you're not. Soon enough, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Um, but you'll get that. I mean... I'm going to get it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, let's see. The world <laughs> You can end, congratulate so. me now if you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. Um, yeah, we'll see. Anywho. Who what knows in this today? Like, so... Right? In, this, <laughs> in this version of our simulation, who knows? <laughs> no, exactly. I don't know. Like, like if a giant lizard monster destro started destroying big cities, like, would you be so surprised? Mm. Would you be like, oh, no, I can't believe this at all? Yeah, like, no. probably like 5% surprised. Yeah, no, I'd be like, that's, okay, that's like the third craziest thing to happen this mm -hmm, year, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it, anyway, uh, so I was interviewing some experts um, on race and, like, uh, how it, like, cross-sex with education in this country and that kind of thing. And this one guy kept saying this thing that um, Dr. John Hale, the University of South Carolina, very smart man, shout out to him. Shout out. Um, he kept talking about how the system is not broken, but the, the system is designed to uh, keep some people down and to lift some people up, and that it's actually working exactly the way it's supposed <laughs> to all right, all and, right. I, I appreciate the phrasing, yes. Yeah, no, it's not. I'm not trying to. No, uh, I do, I do. Uh, Actually. Uh, yeah, uh, like, have a semantic fight with you. It's more just, like, uh, I, that perspective of what are, you, what are you supposed to do about that? How do you, because it's not about fixing something. It's about completely dismantling and starting over. Yeah. Like, the Constitution is this document that's, like, upheld, like, it's, uh, it, it, like God himself wrote it and yeah. some dudes wrote it. Mo dudes that owned slaves. Dudes that just had a completely different, lived in a completely different world than the world we are currently living in. It, 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 you know, to be the least, to be the most objective, right? Like I'm not trying to accuse those guys <laughs> that I don't know about these terrible things that we all know that they did. But <clears throat> to your point, like, yeah, it's, it's fucking dated. I was thinking today about how it literally says thy. They write thy. Who the fuck says thy yeah, anymore? Like, fact. that's hard evidence that this is an old-ass document. And if you're listening to it, you're old as fuck. Yeah, no, you're so <laughs> dusty if you're like, the Constitution's great. You're so dusty and corny. Like, yeah. Thomas Jefferson, the uh, writer of the Constitution, and uh, third president of the United States, um, a man very famous for uh, raping many slaves. Just wanted to point that out. Um, infamous. Yeah, infamous. Well, sure. Uh, uh, a lot of statues. A lot of statues. But anyway, uh, he said we should rewrite the Constitution every so often, every generation, every 50 years, something like that, because he understood the shit was going to change. Yeah. He, in his own lifetime, watched so much stuff happen. A new country was founded, that he was a big part of... Uh, they understood that stuff was going to change. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, the, the whole... It's the, the easiest example of this is the Second Amendment, right? It says, organized militia, 
and they had muskets, which you could only shoot like once a minute if you were good at it. Yeah. You know I what I mean? I was thinking about that today. I, went, I actually went to the gun range today and they have like a big like a f- portrait on the wall of the Second Amendment, basically. And, <laughs> and like how it's, you know, I don't know. I'm that's not trying so to hate corny, on them. Bro, but it was pretty so interesting because I just was like, I don't know. I'm kind of team gun now. <laughs> I am. Tell I'm kind of team gun now. I feel like for a while there, I was definitely team like, there's no reason that I would ever even think to have a gun. Like, I don't even get it. But I actually see like no reason not to have a gun at this point. I understand that people's biggest argument is the cliche argument is right. Like, what if you have a kid in your house and your kid gets your gun? But like, if you're not a complete imbecile, your kid won't just pick up your gun and fire it. Like, that would require a lot of <laughs> like human brain knowledge that a kid shouldn't have, you know? Um, I don't know. My my uncle has a gun, and I've been hearing about some of my friends getting guns recently. And my thing is like, I, I, mm, I as a person with like what I consider proper morals and like proper like consideration of human life, would never just like wave my gun around and start shooting people. But I do understand that the problem is that like guns are getting into the hands of people who are unstable or are not properly like <laughs> intelligent, you know, to even like. I was going to say trained, but that doesn't even really matter. You don't, it's not that hard to not kill somebody, you know? Um, I don't know. I just feel like if I have a gun in my house, it doesn't mean I'm just going to be shooting it all the time. Um, yeah, but have you held a gun recently? You said you just Today, went to the yeah. gun, sta- a gun range. Yeah, doesn't it make you, make you feel powerful? It does make you feel a crazy It doesn't way. make you feel like you have yeah. the biggest cock in the whole land. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That feeling is, like, really dangerous. Because, like, you, you have Danny. Shout out Danny. He don't care that I'm talking about this. Who, like, has his gun. And he sent me snaps of him, like, sitting in bed, like, holding his gun at the door. But it's probably like, not loaded. Re- no, I know, but it doesn't matter. He's so ready for someone to break in. Like, he lives with his sister. What if his sister's just, he doesn't expect her to come home? She's fumbling with the keys or, or forgot him, trying to break in. And now he's got his Glock out and he's like, oh, I'm about to defend my house. Like, he's not, you don't work for Under Armour. Like, you don't need to protect your house. Like, relax. Like, I understand why you want to have that. a gun. This is my totally honest uh, opinion on it. I don't think I should own a gun. So why the fuck do you think you should own a gun? Well, what if you were properly educated from a young age on gun safety? and when it's appropriate to load your weapon and when it's appropriate to fire your weapon. What if that was a part of our education system? Why, why would we not all want to have guns if everybody knew how to use it right? But like the... Because then people would just be shooting each other maybe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like every little dispute, you would pull out a gun. I've literally been playing pickup basketball but that doesn't where really people happen. have gotten their guns oh, they because have. they've okay. argued. It's only happened the one time. Yeah. But this guy was like, I'm going to my car. And I was like, I'm going to my house. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, he was in an argument with someone else, but that's not, that's not my business. Right. You know, I don't play like, oh, like we got into this argument. Now I'm going to end it. Um, I mentioned this on the, the, the four person with Kook and Brett that uh, I like a, a, an acquaintance of mine that, you know, uh, I'd met a couple of times, got shot at a party because he got in an argument with this kid. You know, they got into a fight kid comes back with a gun and it's like that fight is so much less impactful to the world right without guns like and that person clearly shouldn't own a gun but just because they haven't committed a gun crime yet does not mean they're not likely to and i don't know if you've met your fellow americans but i i'd argue most of us are likely to commit a gun crime right and that's why it happens so much here yeah i can see that you know like this is the this country i've heard the stat i don't know how accurate it is but like one in 25 people are sociopaths <laughs> okay something like that I so like we have that, really. th- like no know. other country in the world has this kind of problem like 
everyone thinks they're everyone thinks they're Rambo. So I just like is I, gun control like a huge policy problem in other countries? No, because it's Honestly, like you can't speak on. It, I don't know at all. You can't like most other countries. You can't just like go buy a gun. You need a reason to. You can't just like I need to protect my house. It's like that's like they're like okay. <laughs> they're like get a bat. I don't know. Sorry about the brief interjection, ladies and gentlemen. We had to just move inside because of some rain, but we're back. Um, Cole, I want to ask you about your time at USC because I know you learned a lot about yourself and about the world while you were there. If you could like summarize it up into a few sentences, how would you describe it? Your experience there? In hmm. a few sentences, mm-hmm. um, I Start us off. went to Columbia, South Carolina, um, a blank canvas. And painted a lot of life experiences on myself there. I learned a lot about uh, a different culture moving to the South. Um, Shout out South Carolina. The, like, fourth worst state in the Union. Sheesh. Um, Well, that's just according to statistics, not me. But that's not not my business. Um, It was a really fun college town. It was really, really fun. but I, I just kind of got into the underbelly of that world a little bit after being a little, um, a little bit of a lamb, you know what I mean? Going into going in baby sort phase. Of, yes. Did you? Oh, as a lamb. Okay. So yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Do you feel like? Did you feel at the time as like sort of an outcast while you were there? Like was it that culturally different? Um, for some things, sure. But I was able to find a pretty good a group of friends down there. Um. Only new Brett going down. Uh, mm. But but I did feel like an outcast with some things. Um, like when I was working an internship my last semester to finish my degree, I was known as the Yankee journalist. Mm. You know, because I'd always be uh, you fucking calling out dude. racism, I suppose. Uh, that was a weird thing. That is so weird. It's I thought racism was over, kind of, which is, sounds so stupid. But I think they do a disservice to, like, white people up here that they, uh, you know, like, a lot of us grow up around uh, uh, people of different cultures and races. And especially in Wilmington, right, it's mostly Mm non-white, which I didn't learn until after I went to college, right? Especially if we count the city. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I have a Wilmington address. And um, so we, I grew up around that thing. And then there's not a lot of racism up here it's called out it's like frowned upon it's shamed in public schools and then i went down to south carolina and it felt like sometimes you would be surrounded by some white people and they'd look around and then they start saying some things that they definitely would not be saying around black people definitely wouldn't be saying around women wouldn't be saying around gay people like they're all it's that southern hospitality mentality of uh be fake nice to somebody's face and then hate hate in private right um, we actually were having a conversation about this a few weeks ago about why can't people hate in private? And it's it's one of those things where I think that's how it's moved already, you know? Yeah. Um, people sit at home. They The point I was trying to make at the time was, ignorantly, I was saying, like, I don't really see the crime in someone sitting at home acting racist or sexist, like, by themselves to their TV. And it actually was really enlightening. What you said is that, like, what happens is that one person and another one person who do the same thing, they get together and then they invite a couple of their buddies over and they say it again. And then those guys are like, oh, that makes sense. And then they start saying it to their buddies and it, that's systemic racism. Exactly. And I, I had not and, thought of it that way. Yeah. And then they go to work and then they, they 
Um, it doesn't matter what they do. They might they they can affect um, just somebody's day. And if yeah. they're affecting one person's day because of their race every day, like 365 days a year, you know, that's 365 instances that we don't need to have of people feeling uncomfortable just for being black or Mexican or… Yeah. Uh, or, I agree. I'm excited about these different social media pages I'm seeing coming out about people expressing like situations of… Uh, I'm trying to think of the word for like an act, an act of just like hating someone for whatever reason. You know, I can't even think of like being a bigot, like bigotry. Basically, basically, like people just experiencing being put down due to their race or their sex. For example, the one I'm referring to is called Black at USC, and it's a lot of my like black peers talking about their experiences on campus where they've been like discriminated against or just felt very uncomfortable because of the social structure of like black people at USC. Um, I love the idea of the pages. I love most of the pages, period. I unfortunately find that in those situations, some posts slip through the crack, in my opinion, that are not really like something that needs to be called out. And unfortunately, I, this is perhaps my white privilege coming out, but like I think it takes away from the integrity of those ones that really do matter, you know? Because I'm just going through and I see like two where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that this happened to you. And then I see one that's like, I shouldn't even give an example, but basically one where I'm just like, I don't think this is racism at all. It just, uh, it hurts the, like I said, the integrity of the page. But um, due to these pages, a lot of positive changes coming out. Um, we hired like an entire vice president of social equity, like coming into USC for the first time ever. Is there anything like that happening at your USC? Like due to all of this animosity online and stuff like that in our world? Um, uh, I know that there's some black student organizations and they've, um, been calling for change to a lot of things at USC, but it's been slow moving. Um, Always. Act actually this BL, during this, uh, BLM, like, uh, movement with all the, the, uh, protests, um, a few prominent athletes from the area have called for some buildings to be renamed on campus. Wow. Um, including like uh, Cinderius Thornwell, who's an NBA player that went there, took us, took us to the Final Four my freshman year uh, in 2017. Shout out Cinderius Thornwell. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins, who's just from South Carolina. He didn't even go to school there. Um, a few other prominent people that are calling for change. And I think that's, that's, a, big, that's a big news in South Carolina. Um, I... I think uh, there's a there's a story I think that um, like kind of puts put, brings to light like how people feel in South Carolina about racism is kind of like it's a mute point. Um, I was trying to write a story for a class and about these building names like Strom Thurmond is the recreation center and Strom Thurmond's very famous for being super anti-black during the civil rights era and breaking the filibuster record for the Civil Rights Act, which he stood on stage for 25 hours without going to the bathroom, uh, uh, eating, not stopping talking to like protest the Civil Rights Act, which is one of the best pieces of legislation ever passed in this country, right? So well-known well racist, but because he donated a lot of money to the school, they put his name on the building, and I wanted to write about how that wasn't talked about. How in some circles, that's a big deal, and in some circles, they're like, well, we can't do anything. And my teacher or my professor looked at me and she goes, well, that's not a story. And I was like, what do you mean it's not a story? And she goes, it's South Carolina. Of course, they're going to be racist in South Carolina. Of course, they're going to have names of buildings of people that were racist in South Carolina. I can't believe that was the response. <clears throat> you said she altered your work as well, right? 
or requested that this you alter did, that it? That was a different okay. um, uh, professor, like more when I had my job, but they would encourage me not to be not to be non-biased. And I'm saying that with quotation uh, marks because non-biased to me just means uh, not calling out things that deserve to be called out. Yeah. Like uh, racism and just lying, right? Like I, th- I see a lot of this with President Trump where people are like, oh, the media is so biased against them. But like saying something a politician said was a lie isn't being biased at all. It's, that's actually, it's actually biased not to report that. I agree. And I saw a lot of that, like going through the journalism program of like kids that like just drank the Kool-Aid. And they were just like, we, I'd rather not rock the boat. So I'm just going to kind of be dull in my opinion. Like no, no point. If you're not calling for change, what are you really trying to accomplish? You're just riding the wave, right? And- exactly. You might as well just be reporting on every puppy that has a friend that's a bird. Yeah. People get that. Those are so cute, right? Yeah. Those are so cute and cuddly. Baby, bro. Because that's the world, right? It's yeah. cute and cuddly and it's puppies being friends with birds. And it's, yeah. yeah. Um, it's insane that they were basically like trying to apply censorship to your writing. Do you think that that's like a problem in our world right now? Like this idea of censorship? I, I think like… I think you can say whatever you want online without fear of someone trying to censor you. But I think that you should be understanding of the possible repercussions. And that goes both positively and negatively. Like if you're putting something out that you think is going to be like a beneficial piece of writing for the world, you should anticipate someone telling you that you're fucking an idiot. And they might be an idiot. And then the same goes if you're writing something that is truly like vile, you should expect to be called out. Um, I don't even know what my point was. Yeah, can, I, can I speak yeah, please. to this? Um, there's this idea that conservatives love when it comes to the economy. The marketplace, right? Let the marketplace decide. Let the marketplace decide, right? Um, and, but they hate it when it comes to ideas. When it actually should be a free marketplace. Anyone should be, like you're saying, anyone should be allowed to bring an idea to the table. Yeah. And let the people decide what they think of it. Exactly. If they think it's funny, it's funny. If they think it's vile, like you said, it's vile. If they think it's important, it's important. But you should be allowed to bring to the table. But whatever you want. And I believe that, that people that are in the KKK should be allowed to peacefully march. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think you can take that right away. Uh, as long as they're not act physically hurting anyone. Right? Because that, like, that's their… You can't take anyone's freedom of speech away. Is that um, not the same as the guys sitting in the room being racist in the closet? Like, is that not the same? What do you mean? They're not hurting anybody. They're, I mean, they're, they're it could, the argument could be made that they're hurting um, people with their words and message, but… You don't think people marching down the street in KK costumes would fucking upset people? I, I think it upsets people, yeah. but I think the problem is that it's great when everyone disagrees with an idea, but you, you have to have freedom of speech protect… Um, what people don't uh, like uh, other people saying. Like, no one cares when you say, I love apple pie. But if you uh, disable some speech from any side of the aisle, like from the other side of the aisle, when the other side's in power, right, they can disable your speech. Because there's people that believe that saying um, that abortion should be legal is just as bad as like being racist, right? Like there's people that think that that's killing children, right? So they can silence your speech if we silence any speech at all. So it all should come to the table and then we'll let people decide. If I, I would rather people openly be racist and we can be like, ha ha, look at the racist over there. Right, okay. I get and that. let's not respect any of his opinions. Right. Like that, that would be a lot easier for people, I think. No, I think that's a fair point. Um, to swivel to a new direction, 
you did have like a jarring situation occur at USC that I think is pretty unique, you know, or at least rare that I definitely am interested to hear your perspective on. Um, I'm not even really sure how to bring it up, but uh, you had like an, an altercation with a woman that was out to mentally and physically like pretty much destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like, what was me, you know, like with no context and it sounds like, wow, this kid's a fucking loser, but it actually was pretty insane. All the things that went down. So, uh, please surmise your experience and, and what you learned from the intense few weeks that you had to go through. Yeah, no, it was a couple months, um, of Yikes. action, I would say, and I'll give the spark notes version of this story. Um, you know, uh, it's something Either that way. it took me a, a little bit to, to deal with the trauma of it all. Right. Um, and now I'm glad that I can sit here right now and talk to you about it pretty normally and hopefully educate other people. Um, I had to avoid this, but I started dating a girl and she definitely seemed a bit, um, lack of a better word, crazy. I was going to uh, say she had, blonde. Yeah, <laughs> she, had, she had a lot of red flags and fellas, ladies everywhere, uh, red flags, don't avoid them. <laughs> don't look away. And doesn't matter how good doesn't think. matter how good the sex is. Oh, listen to your friends. <laughs> listen to your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically what happened is I started dating this girl. We had uh, a hurricane where we got a week off of school, but it didn't even really affect us. So we spent like a week in bed, you know, uh, with the best uh cocaine i ever had um just it was it was honestly it was fun right like we, i was on vacation i was just having sex hours and hours a day <laughs> bro i uh, sorry nobody sorry. wants to hear that promise but like wait wait, wait. It, it becomes important you should say you were so, doing the things that any new couple would yeah be doing, exactly we're like really week. really fast and i was out of my first relationship ever so it was very much a rebound um i was experiencing a lot of things i hadn't experienced before and it was, it was very fun but i got dragged in and and slowly things started to get worse and worse um and one night uh me and this girl were in an argument and i started laughing at something she was saying i was like you're being ridiculous you're being kind of crazy right i'm laughing and we were both drunk it was after a friend's birthday party and she pulled me out of a chair um and back my head slammed into her metal bed frame i got up i was like oh you're crazy she started hitting me uh she would just wouldn't stop attacking me. She wouldn't let me go. If I tried to leave, she would uh, tell me, uh, I'm going to tell everyone you beat and rape me. I'm going to kill myself. Like ba- basically you uh, kidnapping me for a night. Um, it was really, really traumatic in the moment. I was really fucked up. I was just kind of spacey and out of it. And because um, I definitely was concussed from the initial falling into the metal bed frame. So I was out of it for a while. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, I got out of the situation, but this girl would like show, showed up to my house one time and like called the cops with all my friends there. Like we had to like get her out of there without like causing a scene. Like she showed up. Uh, she this would is call- the real problem. Yeah, is that she was getting you in legal trouble. Yeah, and then it affected your school. Yeah, exactly. She would. She was calling me. I would block her on every number that she would call me at. All these emails, texting, getting other people to call me, calling me on other people's numbers, blocked numbers, all this stuff that I'd never even thought was possible. I, as a person, I mean, I was in a relationship for two years where 
I mean, we fought, but nothing ever got physical, right? And I never would expect to be in a situation where anything got physical. Um, and so what ended up happening with all this harassment, I, I reported it confidentially to uh, South Carolina. And I had some really helpful people, a therapist at school and like a representative that helped with like victims of, of domestic violence and like, and sexual assault and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they helped me through this. They helped me file paperwork to the Title IX office, like the Equal Opportunity Protections uh, thing. And we were able to, they found her guilty. Yeah, um, I mean, she was basically threatening you, yeah. saying she was going to try and get you kicked out of school, yeah, kicked yeah. out of your house, uh, take away all of your friends. Yeah, people were going to like come beat me up. I did get beat up uh, randomly one night. That was pretty intense. Um, just all these phone calls. Her dad would call me. All this crazy stuff, and it eventually died down. And uh, shout out to this crazy uh, woman, but she eventually got kicked out of the school for doing the same thing to another person. And this woman is out there. Her name, no, no, and no. I'm just I'm gonna say it because I'm like I'm not gonna put it in. Okay, that's fine. Okay, that's yeah. This woman is out there, and she'll do this her whole life. And that's the scariest thing about these people is she uses the fact that she's a small girl, right? She is relatively attractive. Like she uses this to skate by in life and just keep doing these horrible, awful things that really affect people. I mean, I had PTSD. I was like not sleeping, waking up in the middle of the night, like night terrors in a way that I've never experienced before. Super, super vivid dreams. And I, I mean, she, I mean, that's, and I think I came out the other side a better person. So, I mean, all these people that she affected that, don't come out the other side a better person like they become broken exactly and like um but this is just a problem i just i worry about men everywhere because there are people that wouldn't believe me people that mocked me for getting in this situation exactly Um, it's like yeah sorry i'm sorry i I don't even know i was gonna say like it, it becomes a situation where people are mocking you for a situation that you like can't even get out of because i remember you telling me specifically that like the school was kind of like this can't be like, you're wrong, you know, like, and I don't even, I don't even know how you get yourself out of that situation. So I was wondering, you did mention at the start, you were like, I'll give advice on how to not get stuck in the situation. I mean, how, how did you find, like, you got lucky. She got kicked out of school. What if like, she didn't get kicked out of school? Well, she, at at first she didn't get kicked out of school. Right. My case, she was just on like serious uh, probation Mm -hmm. with the university because, and I could never imagine a, a situation where a man attacked a woman continually harassed her afterwards and then he wasn't just immediately removed. Mm. So she basically the school the, the school found her guilty but still told me that because I was the man that I had some responsibility in. Even though I didn't want to be there, I tried to leave. I had seven, I mean I had, had seven, eight canceled Ubers from that night that I had to pay five bucks for because like she just wouldn't let me leave. I would try to leave and and here's some advice to people out there is keep the receipts. Keep the receipt. She had a friend there that night that texted me. Um, you didn't do anything. She wouldn't stop attacking you. You never like touched her. Um, all these texts of her like admitting guilt, that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I basically manipulated her into giving me more evidence. I still have the shirt from that night that's ripped up, compl- like torn up, like like someone was attacking me. Um, and I keep, and it's one of those things that I don't know if I can ever get rid of in case this comes out. Right. And because at any point. Oh yeah, she could try and cancel you. 
Oh yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's and I I'm a big proponent. I said this on the uh, the four person. I'm a big proponent of belief women, but this woman will lie forever. Like, so what do you think is her trauma? What do you think put her in an emotional situation where she is doing this to other people? Oh, I I mean, she she had a kind of fucked up family life, but mostly mental illness. Um, pretty confident she has BPD borderline personality disorder which is like a attachment disorder you get very clingy you get very manipulative you social isolation of people like that kind of thing is is really prevalent it's hard to treat mm. and they always think everyone else is the problem too so that's therapy yeah she could have gotten to some therapy like i'm wondering what could have prevented this you know um, in, in a different version of our simulation she oh um honestly what could have prevented this uh Full stop is um, more education. I think I think women are always, uh, at least women I've talked to, women I'm friends with, are looking out for guys to be like this, right? They're looking out for guys like that have like seem like crazy. Like they want to feel safe and like protected, right? They don't want to. But I think with guys, a lot of times, like it can be fun to like get into the wild side a little. Mm. You know, like you want to, it's like, you know, you want to dip your toes in. It's like, oh, it's water's kind of nice. Like you, you dive in, you swim a few laps. The hot, and you're crazy like, line. Yeah, no. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, and you just, you keep getting in, going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in. And then um, it's hard to get out. And then you have your own feelings. And then um, when you, when you realize that someone's incapable of like reciprocating with normal, like feelings of like, of, like someone that could, you could, uh, like spend all that time together and they can't uh, like bring themselves not to hurt, hurt you. You know, it's kind of like a weird feeling to have. And yeah, and that it's, it's something that just sticks with me. But um, I think, I think I came out the side of a better person. Um, You're still able to love. You're still able to receive love. I think those could have been the most fucked up things to be negative repercussions. Um, Also USC. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, where you start dabbling in hallucinogens? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. So yeah, um, you acid. more than anybody I know love to talk about hallucinogens. So yeah. we'll switch it to a positive note. And I would love to hear why you advocate so heavily for hallucinogens, how they positively impacted you, how they may have negative impact impacted you, if at all. And uh, I'll just start off by saying like me, I only like to do hallucinogens in solo. Are you the same? Um, I, at first, I was taking them in, with, in some groups of people. I had one weird experience. And then I really started vibing, tripping by myself. Mm-hmm. Completely taking control of the situation. Find that the hallucinogens boost my empathy uh-huh. to times a million. It's like way too much. It's like, it's overwhelming. So I prefer uh-huh. to be the only one around on uh, hallucinogenic, like <laughs> hallucinogenic yeah. substance. No, but, uh, I, I feel the same way. I, <laughs> I just loved, loved the lifestyle from day one. Um, I, uh, I just remember the first time I took acid, I was like, oh, I feel a little high, like weed. I was like, like, oh no, it's not like that at all. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I remember I was laid down and I was just staring at the clouds and they were moving like crazy. And my friend was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm amazing. (laughs) I was was like, I don't even know what's going on. And um, yeah, I found some people that were down to do a bunch of shit with me in Columbia. Um, You actually gave me shrooms for the first time at Firefly. 2017. Gang. Yeah, gave I me a little bite remember. off a PB&J sandwich. Okay, I, I sort of remember this. Yeah, no. Yeah, and, yeah. and so you, you were, you've been there for, that was for me a couple times. That was insane fucking Firefly. That was a fun Firefly. That was the, the, uh, the weekend concert. That was fun. Yeah. But um, 
So I think for me, but for me, um, hallucinogens have really, they really took, like what I talked about earlier, I came to college very fresh faced. I didn't do a lot in high school. Like I, I started drinking and smoking like, consistently at all like when I was 18 and like end of senior year right so within a year I'd like taken acid for the first time and so it it actually I think it informed my social life my not social life but informed like how I perceive social situations differently than permanently um no just in the beginning of like I was going through that anyway but then I started I was also taking acid at the same time and so I it was a flood of information of, of about how to behave and like how to do things that I like I'd never even thought of before, right? Mm-hmm. All of these ideas that that flooded my mind. And when I was younger, um, when I was like nineteen, I didn't really understand what was going on. I was kind of like, you know, laughing with my friends, getting like lost in the sauce. I think everyone's kind of had that experience that that dabbles in hallucinogens. Um, and then when I was twenty years old, in at this very house, actually. Um, after a Flatbush Zombies concert. No, shout out Karen and Ron for knowing the story and going, okay. Um, (laughs) But so after a Flatbush Zombies concert, which I took acid for, it was very fun. It was my first concert uh, doing acid at. Came home and I had some uh, DMT, which I was very excited to try. I never have. Yeah, I know. It's mm-hmm. it's super… Do- it's, imagine that feeling of, oh my god, I thought I was just going to be high like weed with acid. Times like infinity. Like, t- turn it up from the acid. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, That's it's kind of wild. And Talk I, about mind-altering. Yeah, and I wanted to do it on a, a psychedelic. So I wanted to do it on acid. Um, I felt very at peace. I like got into a zen state. Uh, smoked the bowl. And for what felt like eternity, fell through, you know, time and space, to, uh, different dimensions, different beings, lost all sense of myself, um, lost all sense of reality. Like, there was no, there was no problems because, like, I wasn't even cold, you know? Like, I was just, it, my consciousness, exper- just experiencing for the first time, you know, without, like, any of that, what am I doing later? Like, how is anyone going to feel about this? Just seeing and, exp- and listening and, learning and getting laughed at. Uh, uh, what, what, what was your takeaway? Because I know it's, it's really hard to like describe the experience. So, so try to tell me about like the takeaway. Yeah. Because you had a lot to say afterward. You, you, you were like shooken, you know? Yeah, it really, it really shook me to my core as a person. I, my, ta- my biggest takeaway was how unimportant I am. Mm. How… Ego death. Ego, complete, utter… Have you ever had the, the ego death? No. I have the biggest ego ever. And it it really like because it's it's one of those things where I have a, a pretty big ego. I think people find me to be full of myself, but I'm more just con- I, my confidence comes from this place of knowing how unimportant, like how little time we actually have on this earth, like in this existence, in this meat suit, with this personality and this person, right? Mm. And I just want to enjoy that. I want to be around people that help me facilitate me enjoying that. Right, like I, I want to help other people. I don't want to be a dragon and hoard my things and just like be alone. Right, I want to, yeah. I want to. Uh, it, it really this this one phrase, uh, these well two phrases, but really stuck out to me from the, in my head um, when I like think about these memories. Is one is DMT is everything. Like mm. you don't learn something, you learn everything, and that's why you can't take like any of it back. 
you know? Like, sure. um, it's kind of, it's like, imagine, that's why it feels like forever, right? All it should be for- noted for any people who don't know, DMT is like the chemical that you release when you sleep and when you die. Mm-hmm. And you can put it on like a bowl pack and smoke it. Yeah. And blast off. And say. you can blast off into… Just for anybody uh, who doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Let, but then what's your second thing? Um, and then we are all the universe experiencing itself. I actually have in my notes, I was going to ask you about like your thoughts on interconnectivity mm-hmm. between humans and like the energy that we all put off and yeah. the f- like feeling of reading people's energy definitely like coincides with doing hallucinogens in mm-hmm. my opinion. Like it's, it's, it's obvious if you've ever done hallucinogen that you start to like feel how other other people are feeling in a room, right? Yeah. And, no, and I course. feel like that energy is always existent, but we as a species like don't connect into it very much. I've heard theories about like humans are too absorbed with consumerism and capitalism and all the wrong things, right? So they don't have enough time or brain capacity left to focus on each other. So I'm, I'm interested in what you think about that. Um, I think that's a big part of it. I think that the bigger the society gets, the more interconnected we get superficially, the least, the less connected we get actually. Um, and stuff like just hanging out with your friends and just having a conversation is getting lost. Um, mm-hmm. and I think the interconnectivity of people is, is the reason that psychedelics bring this out in people is it, it really breaks down the societal barriers that we all carry with us every day, right? All of the, well, how are people going to view me? How are people going to view this action that I do? Right? Because you post stuff on social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And so you, there's a public perception of you. There's your friend's perception of you. That all matters. And, and when you take psychedelics with other people, that kind of breaks down and people will tell stories, um, uh, whether good or bad ones that they haven't told people that like impacted them. They'll, their brain thinks of things in different ways. And I think with the inner, one thing that I've experienced um, that I, now as I've done uh, acid, especially more, is we're all kind of tapped into this one thing. And that's why, that's why no matter, you could be in any place and not speak the language. And like, you still, you would want to talk to people. You would want to like interact with people. Like It's very rare that people want to be hermits and alone. And it's, I think it's because we are all of the same thing. Like I'm you, you're me. I'm that tree over there. Mm. So are you. And like, that's what like we were talking about those energies that like I I feel like I can be completely sober and just walk outside and I'm like oh there's something in there and then something's gonna happen whether it be good or bad and then like I, you just feel those shifts definitely you know and it's I, why with when it rains it like sucks and it kind of sucks the life out of people completely agree I think this has to do a lot with like the expressions of love and hate and karma right like I'm a strong believer that if you're like putting out a bunch of negativity into the world negativity will bring itself back to you. I think any, I think you'd have to be naive to believe that you can just be a negative person all the time and positive things will happen to you, right? Like it doesn't even seem logical because you're focused on the negatives. If you're putting out hate and focus on negatives, you're only going to see the negatives. Um, are you a believer in karma? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think… The golden I, rule. Yeah. I, sometimes people, I want to snap on people and yell at them and I just go, you know what? Karma is going to take care of it. And even people that live long, long, healthy lives, if they hate every day, if they have hate in their heart, they wake up with that. They have to be 85 still waking up angry. Right. Waking up, and that is their punishment. That is their punishment that they do not just accept that you could be happy. Anybody, I believe this with anybody out there. Whatever situation you're in, you can make the best of your situation. Right? Going back to that story, um, 
uh, with the with the crazy girl. Uh, one thing that I took away was some humor that came out of it. You know, me and my friends like had some inside jokes about it. But this one thing where I left for a little bit, you know, and I I end, eventually ended up going back because all my stuff was there. But I left and I walked, and the only place that was open was a Waffle House. Hmm. And I walked into the Waffle House like five thirty in the morning, shirt ripped open, you know, concussed, scratches on my chest and eyes and stuff, and I. Sat down at the bar. It was just me alone in this place. And I was like, does it look like my girlfriend just beat me up? <laughs> and the, the guy behind the, the counter was like, yeah. And he's like, what can I get you? And I was like, I don't have any money, man. And he was like, no, I got you. What do you need? And he made me hash browns and some cheese and some fixings. And he sent me on my way. And nice guy. Um, one of my professors who I confided in about this had a really funny thought on that. And I'll never forget this. He goes, you know, when the... Uh, the guy working the 5 a.m. shift in the Waffle House knows you're having a bad day. You're having a bad day. That's on God. You're That's so a- funny. <laughs> Dude, my only thought of Waffle House is that hilarious TikTok where he's like, can I get a waffle, please? And he's just like, one girl's beating up the other girl on the counter. <laughs> Dude, Waffle Houses are in cursed places. Yeah, man, no, were- exactly. It's the Greyhound bus of, of fast food. Um, yes. But if, if you were to have a positive experience there, I think that's incredible. In that moment, like I still I still look back and I go, huh, that was kind of funny. <laughs> like, yeah. And all these people and these, these strangers, right? These dudes that worked in the Waffle House. I was the only person in there Middle of the night, they could have been like, fuck you, dude. And all these people were like, how can we help out our fellow human? Yeah. Right? And I know, yeah. and they don't know me. I'm never going to, I'm never going to see them again. But I think that we all need to carry that energy into most things that we do. Like yeah. whether or not, like a, this, this pandemic has affected a lot of people our age. I just graduated, right? A lot, a lot of our friends have. And it's hard to find jobs. And if you got to be home for a little bit, working a job, you didn't think you'd be working for a year or two, saving money, whatever the case is. Make the best of it, you know? Like, oh, you got to be around your family. It's like, have a good night with them instead of getting angry at them that you're stuck here. Mm. You know, it's just like, take these little things and these win these little fights and then eventually you will see that there is uh, a big gains happening. You know? Um, I agree. I think that's that's one of the biggest things is um, from going back to the DMT thing. Like, I, in that moment, when I lost myself, I had to accept Cole's gone. Cole's gone. My brain said it. And I was like, okay. And I blasted off. And I accepted my own death. And ever since that moment, um, I think about how it could happen anytime. Right? I just lost my grandpa recently. Um, people get hit by buses every day, you know? And there's no reason not to try to have a positive interaction with everyone you see. Tell everyone you love them and appreciate them as much as you can. Even if they're like, oh, we get it, man. We get it, man. Like, it's overkill. Like, I don't care. I'd rather be known for saying I love you and I appreciate you too much than too little. Definitely. I think what you're touching on is, like, perspective. You know, like, be open to the idea that you might not be in the shittiest situation you could be in. Even if you are in a terrible situation, you know, allow yourself to have a different perspective for a moment and it could pick you up, you know, like… I think uh, something you mentioned was like the the chef like heard you out, right? Like maybe if maybe if you hadn't said that to him or maybe if he didn't ask you any questions, he would have just been like, fuck off. But he was like, here's a person. Let me hear their story, right? Like I think communicating with other people is so valuable just to understand like what other people are going through. I think a lot of the problems that we're seeing in our world right now just have to do with people not being aware of other people's situations. Putting yourself in somebody else's shoe is a skill. I thought it was something that we were all just naturally born with, like the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. But it actually requires a lot of practice. Like one of my biggest goals with this podcast, just as an example, is like just to allow other people 
to give me their perspective. Like, I just want to hear what everybody has going on. And like, you're touching on things like, that situation with that girl is rare. Like, a lot of guys would not ever consider that a possibility and would never like, and I would, I would have probably roasted you too if I was there, you know? Like, that's what, if I heard about that, I'd be like, oh, you're being a pussy, you know? But I think like, to hear that story is to be like, oh shit, that does actually happen. She was like, it doesn't matter. We don't have to keep talking about that. But, but just the idea of like hearing other people's perspective. Mm-hmm. I think we should see more discussions from like police and people of color right now. Mm-hmm. Because like right now, our president is creating a separation. And, and we, don't, we don't even have to get into all no, of that. No. But poor leadership, you know, creating a separation is the opposite of productive. Like no matter what, no matter what era of time we're talking about, no matter what belief we're talking about, like conversation should be had. Um, I hate the idea of like, Deplatforming people, you know, and mm-hmm. and and not allowing for conversations to be had is is disgusting. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think what uh, what you're talking about with empathy is the biggest thing, mm-hmm. and it's just getting lost. And for me, it's it's. I think empathy also comes in uh, a form of introspection that a lot of people miss. When you do something, how would you feel if the person, if a person in your shoes was doing that to you? And, and how, how do you perceive that differently? Like just put, there, there uh, was something I watched in a social psychology class where this, this person went around uh, and just door to door told people a story and then was basically like, if this some, was someone in your family, like would you still discriminate against them because they were gay, right? And, and some people like actually changed their minds thinking about it as someone in their family, right? But it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that, you know, it shouldn't be that where we need it to be. You you need to have a daughter or a sister to care about women's rights, right? Like you should just care about women's rights because they're people. And I think um, it's when you, and I think with introspection, it's one of the biggest uh, things in my life that has influenced me. Is I spent a lot of time alone as a kid, right? I spent a lot of time reading books, watching movies alone. Um, obviously we've been friends for a very long time, but there's been some breaks in that, you know, we didn't see each other a lot, especially high school. Um, didn't, didn't have a huge social life. And I've been able to take a lot of these like introspective psychedelic experiences and it taps back into that time when I was a kid, when I was taking care of myself, whether it be emotionally, physically, or teaching myself something. Right. And so I'm able to almost like separate my, own self from like my decisions and look at it and go like, why are you doing this? You know, why? I think a lot of people are scared to think about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It goes back to our first conversation about vices. Like there's an actual fear of like thinking too hard about yourself. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know what that comes from. Like why, why is it that some people like are scared to be alone with their own thoughts? Me included. I, I, if I'm going to the grocery store or I'm going on a walk, I have headphones in. I'm absorbing audio content. I don't want to just think about myself all day. You know what I'm saying? What, what, what Why not, I, man? I don't know, bro. Maybe I'm a fucking scumbag. No, but really, like, probably, no. I mean, probably not. But, but no, like, you're amazing. <laughs> suck me more. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, I, I think that's a common problem in our world. What do, what do you think that could be attached to? Um, I think, I think a big thing is um, that perception that if you are wrong, you're bad. Right? Like, it's why a lot of people will double and triple down on negative things that, like, the president says or, like, or conservative ideas that, like, they don't even agree with anymore. Like, they don't even agree to how, how extreme this position has gotten, but they don't want to admit they were ever wrong. 
about X thing. It's like, you can just, you can have been, be an old white guy, white guy. And in 2020 be like, yeah, white people shouldn't have cornrows. You could have been wrong about that for 60 years. No one cares. Like people accept growth, but people are so scared here. Here's an idea I was just playing with in my head. It's like mental, all these mental hurdles are like walking into a forest, right? It's a giant dense forest, all these woods. So many people walk in, it gets a little dark and scary and they just walk out the other side, the same person that they were. But if you really work hard, if you buckle down, you can get right through that. And all of those challenges uh, that you get through, like make you a stronger person and you grow from going through the forest as opposed to staying on the other side, right? And um, for me, that's kind of like, I. it's hard to hurt me with things about myself because I don't keep things very secret, right? Once they're out in the open, like people... They they judge you or they don't. They accept but, you or they correct you. Yeah, exactly. And and so many people are scared to be corrected. Like I I had a steep social learning curve in college. I was partying very hard after like doing nothing in high school, right? And there's a lot of times there's like Cole, you fucked up. You're too annoying. You did this. You did that. And I really tried to look in myself and go, how do I not make this person uncomfortable in this situation next time, right? Yeah. And I'm not a finished product, but I'm I'm. I have taken that on myself uh, to uh, make myself better. I think we should all be trying to improve all the time. That's why I'm very disgusted by these people not willing to either change or even have a conversation about change. It's like, why would you not be open to growing? I I just don't even get it. Like being close-minded is like the worst trait you could be in my, honestly, in my opinion, like if you're close-minded, you have never grown and like you, you, don't gain any new perspectives and you just like are stuck in your ways and you're that grouchy old man. Yeah. Go churn butter on an Amish farm. Like seriously, seriously, there's like, you or, just die. Go, or die or Yeah, exactly. Well, that's maybe what COVID's for. You know, <laughs> I actually was thinking about <laughs> this with your, your points about uh, introspection and things only mattering when they relate to people or like when it's related to you, that's like extremely prevalent in this COVID situation right now. It's like, I'm cool with everybody's grandma dying, but I don't want my grandma to die, you know? And like, I, I mean, that's just kind of, Hack nature, human nature. You know, like you only care about things when they're like right in front of you or like attached to your pack. Yeah. Um, I I really believe in like this mentality of uh, I've worked for a, tips a lot. So I tip extra even when I don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Like I always if make you sure. you work for tips, you, you always tip, right? Exactly. Like and it, and energy back out in the world. When you work for tips, you usually don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's that you're putting it back in and you know it's going to come back to you. It's yeah. that karmic circle that we were just talking about. Yeah. So many people are afraid to put good energy out there because they're like, what am I getting from this? And it's like, it might come in two weeks, you know? You might… Like, I had uh, a great karmic day the other day, you know? Like, I, like something I ordered came in that I thought was missing. Uh, you know, I got the pandemic relief. Like, a few, just a few things happened. I was like, oh, this is a great day. It might have been from something good I did two months ago. I don't know. But it's like, why, why not open yourself up to like these good experiences? Like if, if you're having a bad day and you, and you put good energy out into the, the world, like it will come back around in some way. Totally. I mean, I, I agree hundred percent. I was thinking, I know I said it a moment ago, but like, if, if you're like thinking about the positives, more positives just start coming. Like, I, I honestly think that's a common thing in people's lives. Like they have like a really great day, but what really happened is like something good happened that started their day. And then throughout the day, they were like, oh, that was good. And so, like, their energy was good. And then, like, things they just kept looking at things more positively. Um, I think if you do have a good day, try to be more conscious of, like, your mindset from that day, you know, and re- return to that mindset whenever you can. 
Um, I think positivity and introspectiveness are extremely yeah. valuable. No, of course. I There's uh, one, this is so off topic, but it's something I wanted to, to touch on. We'll probably start wrapping up, so close us out with Yeah, that. Um, just one more thing with acid. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> Relax. Uh, Mom. Uh, but no, it's… It's there's something I I've told a couple uh, close friends, and it's it's not so much an identity thing. Uh, so like nothing nothing about me changes, but like it's just the way I perceive life in some ways now that's really helped me, and maybe it can help other people um, that are out there on their journey. And it took me a long time and a lot of a lot of acid to figure this out for me. And this is, this is my own personal experience. I was say, I'm not can't saying, be diagnosing no, no, I'm to not, acid. No, I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm just yeah. saying for me, yeah, this yeah. is my experience of this. I have found that in this, in this state of mind where I can, found myself in this state of mind where I can get to a place that is post-gender, post-sexuality, post-race, post-human even. Like where, I, you know, what, what, like you're just full disembodied consciousness soul to soul yeah you're just you're you're your essence right and this is a place where i've gone to deal with a lot of my personal traumas right like with that girl situation stuff growing up like problems with family um you know some some uh like some addict behaviors that i brought on myself like when i was first getting into drugs like some stuff that i had to go deal with that if i if i didn't go to this place i don't know if i could have dealt with it in the same way because I was so I was scared of being a bad the a bad person or in the wrong so I didn't want to change anything but once I found this place for for me and I I now I can meditate sober it's it has nothing to do with the drugs right it's just it's how I personally uh, figured this out but like I I can get to this place where it's like we all just are this one thing right it's so many people are so wrapped up and I'm white I'm I, and I, as a white person, I think I have a privilege to not care about my race as part of my culture. Mm. Right? That's 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 true. But but I don't care that I'm a man. Right? It doesn't inform how I think about things. So many people are like, "I'm a man. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to, you know, I can't be. I can't be emotional. I'm a man. It's not cool to cry." Oh, I'm the a man, man box. Have you ever heard of this? What? The man box. Yeah, no. And are it's you like, familiar with that concept? You're just like you're, put, you're literally putting yourself in a box. Yeah. You are. You are like I have to be a certain way, and it's like why can't you just wear tie dye and be a little flam? Like you and me are both a little flamboyant. Mm. Do we no, not? No, I'm sex in touch with, with my emotional side. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah, like like it's it has nothing to do with your sexuality, your person at all. It's just like we are. It's how I want to live my life. I want to be happy. I don't want to be stuck. And I think you do the, a really good job of that. And you're a person, honestly, that uh, has helped me see that in myself and in other people. And I really appreciate you for that. I appreciate you saying Shout that. out to you, man. I, uh, I try very hard to focus on making sure… I, here's the thing, though. It's interesting. It's almost, it's, almost, it's almost in line with and counter to your point about not caring what other people think. Like, I go, I go back and forth about this. I think about this in my own life. It's like… I do really want to positively impact everybody and I want everybody to see me as this positive person. But is that from actual desire to help the world or is that more like fear of being seen as a negative person? You know, like making sure my reputation is at a higher level or whatever. I wonder about that. I, it's like impossible to not feel social pressure. 
how do you not, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I fucking use vices. I mean, bro, we, we yeah, yeah. It's, no, no it's, seriously, this conversation has been so productive. Yeah, it's because social pressure is always going to be there. It's just how do you funnel that to good things and not bad things? Absolutely. You know? Like, I, I firmly believe that if everyone's shit was out in the open, that no one would have shit it's right. like like everyone's gonna dude. There's gonna every but female. I don't, I don't want every decision to be the judgment of the society that I no, live in. You know, no, but it's more like you won't be scared of people knowing. Like so many people are scared to be known. They're so scared to be like fully understood, right? That's what they're. That's part of the reason they're scared to go to therapy, right? I see that in my own parents who will go to therapy, and well, then, they're scared of what they might find if they yeah, look under the covers. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and they're like. I don't want to go too deep. And it's like, but you're, you're just, it, this little incremental change, like you're, you make it so easy to go run back to the space, the place where you feel comfortable. I'm totally down to expose myself to myself, but I thought your point was along the lines of like, expose yourself to everybody. Mm -hmm. That is your point. Like, I think that's kind of dangerous. But, but once ever, it's kind of like how I think any female politician, any or male politician, honestly, like in 30, 20, 30 years is going to have their nudes everywhere. So everyone's got like right like everyone's gonna be on the cloud and all that shit. Yeah. So it's we should start making it if everyone's information's out there if, if the stuff that scares everyone to like talk to open themselves up to it's all if it's all there and we all look at it then no one's is out there. It's like if everyone's special, no one's special, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all mm-hmm. people. We all have this like this baggage. I have a theory that one day yeah. we'll all be influencers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the exact same model, just different phrasing. No, exa- exactly. Yeah. Like you all have everyone will have this little niche art audience. Like I've I personally have thought about doing a podcast and like seeing you do this is motivating me to, you know, get on the white dude with the podcast train. So stop it. <laughs> Don't undermine my content. <laughs> dude, but I appreciate you saying that. I encourage everyone to find a sense of creativity and expose themselves. Like and we were talking about this on the four person one. There's no reason not to try and establish a brand for yourself. My professor, Kevin Lyman, who I quote all the time, my mentor, he says, he asked us as a class, when did you start a brand? And everybody was like, I don't know. A bunch of different answers went around. But the answer that he said is the real answer is like, the moment you created a social media page, the moment you presented yourself online to the public world, you created a brand for yourself. And so like, why not make your brand positive? Why not try to grow your brand? Like, why why even have a brand if you're not going to try and grow it? This is both a positive note, but it's also a negative no, because like Instagram is just people promoting themselves and like you're not promoting yourself putting another fucking bikini picture on Instagram, Brittany. Okay, like calm down. Um, even though I do that. <laughs> <laughs> you show an ass psych, on, psych. on the gram now. But no, like I think uh, creating a brand is good. Um, try, to, try to create positive change with your brand, both in real life and online. Yeah. Online is super toxic. I agree. I think I think to your point, um, I I constantly try to tweet on the right side of history, you know. Mm-hmm. So when the aliens come down in like a thousand years and they look at the wreck of our civilization, they go, Hey, this guy, he had some good points. Who knows if the aliens <laughs> like, are gonna be morally sound? You know, well no, and worse. if the aliens are are fascist, then I guess they'll hate me. Then so, they'll hate like, you. I, yeah. And then we don't fuck with them but anyway. But fuck them. Yeah. Fuck a fascist <laughs> alien. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but um, yeah, we, we should start wrapping it up. It's been a lengthy conversation. A very wonderful one that I truly appreciate. Ah, thanks um, so much for having me on, man. It this felt super casual. And I really appreciate that because sometimes I feel like I have a lot of like, nah, that's some sus shit. But like, I, I do appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to cut that. But I- <laughs> Xavier talks shit on friends. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like… Uh, for real, I, I like everything we talked about today. I hope that you're fulfilled from our conversation as well. 
we didn't get a chance to talk about the YMCA camp, which I would have loved to touch on, but it doesn't really matter. When we were young, Cole and I went to the same outdoor center camp. He was a bully. I was not a bully. <laughs> I was physically active. Um, Dude, no. we both got in trouble every week. We yeah. just had too much energy. Like, what are you going to do when you're a kid that has too much energy? And look at us now. We're creatives. Yeah. You know, we're yeah, not. We do drugs. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> my third eye is so open right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, no, this Instagram is will be in the description. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. At if you have any, like, of your articles that you want to promote or anything that you want to shout out, I encourage you to do it right now. Um, I have, yeah, I have some articles on the Carolina News and Reporter. Uh, there's a really n- nice one about my grandfather's passing where I interviewed my dad about losing a loved one in COVID that uh, really nice, actually. to cancer. And not, uh, so that's, that's up there. You can look that up. Just search my name. I should, uh, Cole Smithson. That should come up on any Google thing. Um, I like that. But yeah, again, uh, that was a good one. I don't a branch know. fell out of a tree. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thanks so much for having me on, man. Like, I, I love you, dude. Uh, love you too. I, I love what you're doing here. Thank you. You know, you have a brand. Like, you're I'm out there. You're, you're Hopefully a positive one. Yeah. No, I think you do yeah, think a really good job. Uh, genuinely, really nice. I think I think you do a good job. You you ask the right questions. My ego. Uh, uh, dude, your ego is ego so is Your bloody. ego is like <laughs> it, you're a little oozy where you're in real life you're five four and on your and on your ego you're <laughs> six, six six. Yeah. <laughs> big yikes. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that. I just um, I like talking to people. So I do appreciate all the kind words. That makes me feel a lot better about everything. But uh, all right, everybody, if you made it this far, I appreciate you. And I love you. And we'll have some more content coming next week. This is probably my final Delaware podcast for a while. So if you've made it through this whole series, I stellar appreciate you. Like, I fuck with you heavy. I'm a fuck with you. So let me know if you've liked it. And I'm super excited for some, like, LA content to come out next. Um, All right, guys. Thanks again. Talk to you next week. Bye. You got some things on your mind. Everybody wanna type, ain't nobody finna do shh. And everybody throwing dirt. 
All that talk won't work. All that talk don't work. Now who you think he talking to? Nerd. Whoa, 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 way to get worse. Way to, way to, way to been bad. Showing up to the Grammys mad. Trying to win something we already had. Trying to become something we already are. Don't make me go rise to fog. We do no trying, no diet. We living, I'm living. I get more specific. All these admirations. Likes and false validations. Feeding to our ego. Count on our damn votes. Let the man quote. To me. Who dropped drones on him? Yeah, don't take that tone on him. Don't go watch the throne on him. 